Today, we want to answer one simple question. Who are you? This question has been raised many times in Jesus' life and ministry by his opponents and friends alike. This is a question about Jesus' identity. It matters. It matters because once Jesus' identity is confirmed, it calls for a proper response. You know, like what C.S. Lewis said, if he's a liar, we just ignore him. If he's a lunatic, we just laugh it off. But if he is the Son of God, we must bow down and worship him. So who is Jesus? We'll open to God's Word and let God's Word tell us. In John chapter 8, verses 12 to 20, let's uh, turn to the passage, and you can see it on the PowerPoint, but let me read to you. Verses 12 to 20, it says, follow along, whether in your Bible, hard copy, or on the screen, or on the cell phone. Okay. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And they said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. This words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour has not yet come. You know, the flaw of this passage is very simple. First of all, Jesus make a declaration that he's the light of the world, and Pharisees challenge him. And then Jesus will begin the defense in verses 14 onward. You know, we explained last week that chapter 8, verses 1 to 11 on how Jesus dealt kindly with the adulterous woman was inserted later by another person other than the Apostle John. So the passage today is the continuation of chapter 7, verse 53, and it flows seamlessly into chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And you remember the background. Jesus was still in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. And during that feast, as we have seen, the Jews performed a ceremony where a priest went to the pool of Siloam, drew water in a golden pitcher, and returned in procession to the temple where he poured it out at the base of the altar. Why? Well, it is a commemoration of God's provision of water from the rock that sustained Israelites' life in the wilderness. But remember, at the same feast, there is another ceremony where they lit four huge candelabras in the court of women in the temple. Like Menorah, 
commemorating the fact that the Lord had been a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night to protect and guide Israelites as they wander in the desert for 40 years. It's a great symbol of God's presence with His people. And it was in such a backdrop that Jesus made His declaration, I am the light of the world. And you can imagine, it must have drawn a lot of attention. And this is the second I am statement in the Gospel of John. And you remember the first statement was when Jesus said, I am the bread of life in chapter 6, verse 35, right? The I am declaration is a special turn. When God identifies himself as I am who I am, there's no other way to describe God. I am who I am. God is. It expresses God's self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence that God's existence is not contingent upon anybody else and His plans are not contingent upon any circumstances. He promises that He will be what He will be and that is He will be the eternally constant God. God is. I am who I am. And it is with that special term that he declares, I am the light of the world. You know, many religions use light and darkness to symbolize the existence of good and evil. But John presented Jesus as the true light. As you remember in chapter 1, verse 9 on the Gospel of John, says the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He's a true light. And Jesus is the exclusive source of spiritual light. He's not talking about physical light, but spiritual light. That the light is the light of His truth. That the light is the light of His word, unchanging word. That the light is the light of His eternal life that He gives to those who believe in Him. So those who perceive the true light will never walk in spiritual darkness as those who do not believe in Him and do not follow Him, their hearts will still be filled with darkness, but those who follow will not have darkness in them. Have you noticed how Jesus proclaimed that I am the light of the world and how whoever follows me will not walk in darkness? There is a global reach of Jesus' salvation. The invitation is for everyone to follow the light and become His disciples. And when you do that, two things will happen. First of all, you will not walk in darkness. Meaning we will have assurance of a salvation. That you will never live in a state of continuing sinning. It will not happen because the Spirit in you will convict you and we will repent of our sins in order to stay close to the light of the world. It's the first thing that will happen. You will not walk in darkness. And second thing will not happen is that but you will have the light of life. That we will reflect the light of life as the moon reflects the light of the sun. That we will bear the fruit of repentance through our transformed lives. And we will be witnesses to the power of the gospel. And we will always be ready to give an account of the hope we have in Christ. In other words, a new life is born when you follow the light of the world. 
See, this powerful declaration is reflected in a song which is sung, What a Beautiful Name. In the lyrics, it says, You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. Jesus is the light of the world. And why would anyone reject the light? Only when you need the covering of the darkness. And you remember we preach on that in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. And it says, this is the judgment against the wicked. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And verse 20 says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Lest his works should be exposed. That's why you want darkness covering. Verse 21 says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And of course, with that powerful declaration in verse 13, the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. There is no witness. It is not credible. And beginning in verse 14, Jesus answered and said, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. In this powerful statement, Jesus is reminding the people that I know my origin and I know my destiny. I came from the Father and I will go back to the Father. But the Pharisees did not know Jesus' origin and destiny, so they could only judge according to the flesh, according to the outward appearance, and their judgment about Jesus was misguided. So in verse 15, he says, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet in verse 16, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. See, though the Father has committed judgments to Jesus, Jesus is not judging anyone now. He is bringing salvation, not to proclaim and pronounce judgment. But when it comes time for Jesus to judge in His second coming. He will judge without error because it is aligned with God the Father. And in verses 17 and 18, Jesus rebutted the Pharisees. He says, In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Two witnesses. Jesus' testimony is substantiated by God the Father, and God's witness carries absolute authority. And therefore, Jesus' declaration is valid. I am the light of the world. And naturally, in verse 19, they said to him, therefore, where is your Father, since you are substantiated by your Father? Where is this heavenly Father? In a way, with a, with a, with a tweak of sarcasm, it, almost as an insult to Jesus. 
But Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father as well. If the Pharisees had known that Jesus is the Messiah sent from the Father, they would know the Father because Jesus has come to reveal the Father. But in the refusal to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, of course, there's no way they can see the Father through the life of Jesus. And verse 20, in some ways, summarized this section and said that this words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour has not yet come. Jesus was speaking in the treasury, which is in the court of women uh, in the temple where offering boxes were placed. But no one laid a hand on him because his time to go to the cross has not yet come. And Jesus defended, him, defended himself as the light of the world. And I know that this topic and even this proclamation is nothing new for all of us who are sitting here because we have received the light. We welcome the light. And we are not walking in darkness but have the everlasting life that the light of the world gave. But even as I prepare this message, my heart was heavy because we need the light of the world more than ever. I don't need to alert you to the reality of darkness around us. It is self-evident. Just look at the invasion of Ukraine by Russia and the pains and sufferings of the common people. And listen to the nightly news and, and watch the headlines printed online or on hard copy. They are basically revealing darkness internationally, interpersonally, and intrapersonal within ourselves. They are good news here and there, but we are overwhelmed by the bad news. Darkness. Some darkness baffles us. It's like, why, why do you go that far? Some darkness just frightens us. I never know people, human can go as low as this. And some darkness just hardens us. It's like, well, here it goes again. Can you identify with that? And the source of all darkness is sin. When you separate yourself from God, everything goes. And today in our officers' meeting, where we will hold it here in the MAC, after the meeting, we invited the deputy Denver from the city of Walnut Sheriff Department to come and brief us on security in places of worship. And just a few months ago, we received a letter from the state of California and say, hey, there's increase in violence and shooting in places of worship. So watch out and prepare your people well. So as leaders, deacons, officers, and pastors, <clears throat> we want to know what to do in, you know, in the unlikely event of an active shooter in a church. And, and darkness hits close to home when places of worship have to beef up security. In just our church alone, 57 civilian cameras are being installed everywhere. And with the new building, I don't know how many altogether, I can't even count them. We feel like living in prison. It, it, it wasn't like that 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? But today, as we live in America, 
this is, this is a reality. It's like we accepted them. Nobody complained. We better have them. And we even hired security guards unarmed, but maybe future we need armed security guards on Sunday or other activities. The world is a dangerous place. Not that there is any lack of physical light. In fact, the world has lit up like never before compared to Jesus' time where when the sun comes down, basically it's dark. Only with little oil lamps here and there, but resources were scared dense, and you basically turn them up quickly and just go to bed. They understand darkness. But we have been lit up so well that we don't understand darkness anymore. Darkness has come from the physical realm into the minds and thoughts of people, and they never go away. It's always with us. We may not live in a place without light, but we live with dark side of human beings, including ourselves. A seasoned Christian confessed that he was shocked by the violent thoughts that crossed his mind. That the intensity of anger that he never realized was there. That the vengeful spirit that tormented his soul and the degree of hatred that seared his soul. He thought he has overcome them after being Christian for so many years and obeying God's word and teaching and serving God. And, but darkness lurked in our hearts. He said, I, I, I scared myself. I never knew that it's still there. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Come to the light. Let the light of the world expose the dark side of our hearts and invite you and me to cast them down at the foot of the cross of Jesus and be forgiven and be freed and be light of the world as Jesus calls you and I to be. Jesus is the light of the world. And secondly, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Messiah. Verses 21 to 30. Look at verses 21 to 30. Follow the screen or watch your uh, uh, cell phone or your hard copy. Uh, but I'm going to read to you verses 21 to 30. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. 
So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. Again, in this section, the flow is as the first section. Jesus made a declaration and the Pharisees was confused and Jesus explained what he meant by that declaration. In verse 21, he says, I'm going away. And as Bible students, we understand that Jesus referred to his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven as the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He's going away. And it is expanded into the two, I am he, I am he, saying, remember as I read the passage in verse 24, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And verse 28 again, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Who is he? I am the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus, the incarnate word, will be on this earth for only a limited time. And if the Jews would accept him as their Messiah, they will receive the right to be children of God. But if they reject him, there will come a time during which he will return to the Father. And they will miss the opportunity to be right with God by receiving the forgiveness of sin, and they will die in sin. And with that declaration, of course, the people were confused. In verse 22, they say, Will he kill himself since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? Well, where, where can we go? You can go any place. We can go any place. The only place we can go is if you die and go to the other side that we don't want to go, of course. Are you going to kill yourself? Then Jesus begins to answer in verse 23. He says, You are from below. I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. And I told you that you will die in your sin, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. Jesus is basically saying, you know, you and me, we belong to two different realms and with different presuppositions and perspectives. The Pharisees are from below and Jesus is from above, they are of this world, and Jesus is not of this world. He's sent from heaven. And those in the lower realm cannot by himself rise to the upper realm. And the only possibility is for someone from the upper realm to come down to the lower realm and then go back to the upper realm to open the way so that those in the lower realm may be able to ascend to the upper realm. And Jesus, the Son of God, who incarnated into this world is the one who will provide a way for sinners to be reconciled with God the Father by His substitutionary death on the cross. I am He. I am your Messiah. And with that explanation, they were further confused and said, who are you in verse 25? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I've been telling you the same thing over and over again. And Jesus said, I have a lot to say to you by way of judgment. 
and the source of his teaching is from God, the Father. Since God is true, the content that Jesus delivered to the world is the truth. But they rejected his teaching. I have much to say, but you are not listening. So in verse 27, the Pharisees did not recognize that Jesus was referring to the Father when he spoke of the one who sent him. They still didn't get it. And Jesus told the Pharisees that his identity as the Messiah will be most fully revealed in his death on the cross. In verse 28, Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, when Jesus is being crucified and be lifted up on the cross, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak as the Father taught me. Jesus' identity as the Messiah will be most fully revealed in his death on the cross. I am he. When you see that, I am crucified. And if you can't even believe that, there's no signs and wonders and anything else I can do to make you believe. But Jesus, in verse 29, 29 reminds us that God the Father is always with him. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that, was, that are pleasing to him. Jesus has, has the assurance of the Father's constant presence and approval. And thank God in verse 30, he says, and he was saying these things, many believed in him. Even before he was lifted up, which is about six months that will happen after the Feast of the Tabernacles. Many believed that Jesus is the Messiah. And the message that I want to summarize today for you is, Jesus is the light of the world who illumines the way of salvation to those who believe. Let me clarify that summary. Jesus is not constructing a highway to heaven. Jesus is the way. He is the way of salvation to those who believe. And no one comes to the Father but through Him. Again, there's nothing new to us that Jesus is the light of the world, that Jesus is the Messiah. The same theme has been repeated again and again in the, in the Gospel of John, that people may believe that He is the Son of God, and by believing in Him, we may have life. That's the theme of John. But what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? How, how do I summarize this passage, and how do we walk away from this place and say, I have received a message today, and today I only have four words for you. Let there be light. Let there be light. And you remember, this is the phrase that God, when He created the heavens and the earth, uttered the first creation, let there be light. And there was light. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Let there be light. You know, one war survivor who lived through ethnic cleansings and war atrocities said, the worst thing is 
you get used to evil. If we knew in advance how long it would last, how the war would last, we would probably have killed ourselves. But over time, you stop caring. You just try to keep living. You don't care anymore. Even evil, it's just part of life. Today, I want to share with you my heart is that we should never get used to darkness in human society. We should never get used to it. We should never say, here it goes again. It happened many times, just another data, another event. Here it goes again and again and again, and mostly it will happen again. We should never get used to darkness in human society because it was not the intention of God's creation. His creation was let there be light, and there was light. But with fallen mankind, sin and darkness seep into our lives. Sin is an intruder. It was not the intention of God. We should never get used to it. We should never get used to darkness in our lives. We should never say, well, because we have the right to bear arms, what can I do? So it will happen again and again and again. We just have to live with it. We should never get used to darkness because the true light has come. And He gives light to life, light of life, to those who believe and calls them to be light and salt of the world. That Christ has redeemed us and awaiting for a new heaven and new earth that truly there will be light only and there will not be darkness and as we anticipate the coming of Christ and the new heavens and new earth we should never get used to it we should never get used to it by being the light of the world and Jesus called us to do that and I, I can resonate with many of you including myself that we were like, what can we do? <laughs> the power of darkness is so overwhelming. Everywhere you go, every day, you see darkness around us. What can we do, Pastor? I have to ask the question many times. So what can our church do? Can we even help? <laughs> can we even create a dent? in the magnitude of human darkness. And God brought remembrance of one event in my life. I was taking my family on a vacation, and we went to New Mexico. There was this underground cave over there where there were stalactites and stalagmites, and with lightings and all that, it really created a very uh, spectacular kind of a underground cave uh, uh, a scene for, for, for many visitors and tourists to go and visit that place. And I remember we went deeper and deeper following the stairs to the middle of the cave. And of course, with different lightings, uh, the stalactites and stalagmites rent was really spectacular. And then the National Park Rangers said, you know what? 
Do you know how, how, how dark this place is? Let, let's try. Okay, everybody stand steady and don't be afraid. Uh, in a few seconds, I will turn off the light, but nothing bad will happen. Okay, just stand steady. And then if you wave your hands before you, you see nothing. Just peach black. You see nothing. Let's experience that. Okay, one, two, three, and the light is off. And of course, it'll be like, ooh. And then, don't worry, don't worry, we are safe, we're okay. Okay, so wave your hands, feel your eyes. Do you see anything? Nothing. You see the speech, darkness. And then this park ranger turned on a lighter, a secret lighter. And suddenly, all the eyes and all the attentions just are drawn by that little tiny lighter's light, half an inch, as I remember. Very, very tiny light. But all the attention were drawn to it because it was peach dark. And that's the call for us. Let there be light. Even tiny little light in peach darkness is a draw. Is a draw to everybody's attention. Is visible to everybody because it's just too dark. And you and I are called to be that light. I know sermons sometimes can be long. And for 30 to 40 minutes, you don't remember a lot of things. And today, I know you walk away and probably 80%, 90% of the stuff, you don't remember. I don't even remember myself. But just remember these four words. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let's pray. Lord, we look to you. You are the light of the world, and you will, your light shines in our lives. We reflect the light of Christ, and you call us to be light and salt of the world. And even we, are, we feel overwhelmed by the magnitude of darkness, Lord, and yet as long as we let that tiny little light shine, all attention will be drawn to that light. And you call us to be that light. So Lord, we respond to your call to challenge us to let there be light. In Christ's name, amen.